Hello, welcome back to Undressing the Issue. I'm Julia, I'm your host, and today I would like to talk about a topic that comes up frequently, and you may be familiar with it. The topic is external validation. What is this? Well, external validation is the need to have someone outside of ourselves validate us, make us feel good about ourselves. So typically, I'll tell you how I see this. So, well, you might know of a very classic example. When somebody fishes for compliments, they're looking to have somebody, you know, either dispute something negative or self-deprecating that they're saying, or they are trying to gain attention, sort of passively and directly to be complimented because they need to feel good about themselves. They do not feel good about themselves. And they figure the only way they'll feel good about themselves is if somebody else makes them feel good about themselves by expressing the other person's feeling good (laughs) for them or about them. So that's the classic way is the fishing for compliments. But you see this in relationships. You see this all around. It's it's a common thing that people do. And oftentimes they don't even realize they're doing it. But the people that they are seeking that validation from can sense that that's what's kind of being uh, nudged or something that's being requested of them. So one of the ways in which I see this in relationships or uh, in dating scenarios is in this need to be pursued, right? So for those folks, and some of you may all have a friend who does this, but somebody who always needs to be talking to a potential romantic interest is texting with people or can't just be single, needs to be on a dating website, um, needs to have prospects at all times. And what you're seeing is that this person likes feeling like they're being pursued, like they're desired, they're wanted, they're attractive, and they get a sense of self-esteem from this. So... If nobody has any desire to talk to them, if they feel like they're sort of invisible and nobody's making any effort to uh, connect to them, well, then they feel like they're worthless, like they're not worthy of connection. And so basically what you're seeing is a need for external validation. They're looking to have somebody else outside of themselves make them feel wanted. Another way that I see this is when people need affection. When somebody's in a relationship and they will say, I don't feel like my partner hugs me enough. I don't feel like my partner initiates sex enough. I feel like my partner doesn't... um, touch me enough in any way. 
And this is this is a different kind of external validation because it's basically this person is interpreting affection or touch as reassurance that they are loved versus touch what it is, which can have so many other reasons and purposes. So that's another way that we see it. And it happens in so many different ways. There's also the people who like to be the center of attention. So there are the people who love to chat folks up, right? Like if I'm in line at Starbucks, I can't just get my coffee, pay for it, take my change, say thank you and goodbye. I have to make small talk everywhere I go. I feel this need to make people smile, to feel likable. And this seems innocent enough, but this need to be charming, this need to be engaging, entertaining, likable, this is a pull for validation. If I felt good about myself and I felt like I already was likable, I wouldn't constantly need to get that reassurance everywhere I go. So there's many ways in which this uh, manifests, basically. Um, You see it, well, you, not you, me. I see it with some of my higher profile clients who pay such close attention to feedback that they get and comments on social media, on the internet, and Basically, they're hoping to get as many positive comments as possible and anything negative, even if it's only one out of hundreds, just completely derails their day and they take it to heart and it will basically just cancel out all the positive comments that they saw. So this is... This is another version of this, but I'm I'm hoping that with these examples, you're starting to get the idea. So external validation can be sort of covert, right, where people will feel upset and not tell their partners what's upsetting them, and then their partners kind of get a sense that something's bothering them, and so they'll be like, oh, what's what's the matter? Are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? Is there anything I could do for you? And all of a sudden now they've elicited the care and nurturing of their partners. And now they feel, okay, they love me. Okay. So this is sort of, it's an indirect passive way, but it's still sort of a pull on the other person to take care of them. Now, I see this quite a bit with couples who are recovering from betrayal, where the person who committed the betrayal out of shame and guilt will continuously say, I'm sorry, or I love you. And those statements can be really triggering for the betrayed partner because in our society, the common anticipated response, the polite response is, I accept your apology or I love you too. But in that moment, if that betrayed partner is still really hurt or angry or upset, they may not feel terribly inclined to provide this response. And so these questions can feel like 
the person who betrayed them is trying to get them to provide some type of reassurance. If my partner says I love you too, then we're okay. If my partner says I accept your apology, then I'm okay. We're okay. <laughs> and for the betrayed partner, sometimes saying I accept your apology is something that is just sort of off the table because it may feel like if I say that, then does that mean I'm excusing what you did and how you betrayed me? And maybe your apology is not nearly enough. Maybe I need to see more in your actions than in your words. So those types of things can be really frustrating. And it's because they are seemingly kind and caring, but on the flip side, they're sort of manipulative. And it puts the betrayed partner in a position where they're now feeling like, if I don't give the proper response, then I'm the shithead. I look like the asshole. I'm cold, I'm mean, I'm whatever. So it's a tough one. It's a tough one. So, well, before I get into the rest, what I often tell the folks who've committed the betrayal is to not ask those questions, but instead make statements and make them in a way that's not cliche, right? For example, I love you. I say this to my girlfriends, my cat, chocolate, <laughs> my husband. I say it to a lot of different people. It has meaning, and I do mean it when I say it, but it's also become sort of this generic term that we just sort of use, and it loses its meaning after a while. It's not the only way to express what you want to say. If I want to tell somebody that I love them, right, what is it exactly that I'm trying to say? If it's my cat, well, I consider her to be my child and I care about her safety and I want her to be healthy and I love having her in my life and she brings joy to my world. That's what I'm saying. But I can say all of those things instead of just saying, I love you. With my husband, it's different. When I say I love you to my husband, what I mean is I care about him. I consider him to be my partner and a humongous part of my life and my world, that he is incredibly important to me, that I consider him to be my best friend, that I respect him, that I also, you know, think he's hot and kind of want to climb him like a tree, but <laughs> I'm saying a lot of different things when I say I love you. And it can be more impactful, I think, is the word I should use. When you say those actual things versus using generic terminology that gets way overused and tossed around, like the term, I love you. And same thing goes for I'm sorry. I'm sorry is genetic, right? Or genetic. Hello, 
still haven't finished my coffee. Generic. So what I mean by generic is it kind of doesn't mean anything. It doesn't give you any information. It's kind of like when you say, hey, how you doing? And someone goes, oh, I'm fine. How are you? What is I'm fine? <laughs> it's just the term we use. It doesn't really give us a whole lot of information. I'm fine or good, right? These are words that, I got to be honest, I fucking loathe and despise because they give no information. It is sort of a non-response response and it doesn't really truly answer the question. So when I ask, for example, one of my clients who comes in to see me, I go, how are you doing? And they go, I'm okay. What in the actual fuck does that mean? You're here, you're coming in for therapy, you probably have something you wanna talk about, there may be something that you're needing help with, so okay doesn't tell me anything. And I end up having to ask more questions. When in reality, most of us say, how you doing, as a greeting. It's like a hello, what's up? And because we hear it so much, when somebody else who genuinely is interested asks, like me, I still get the generic answer, the whatever, like I'm anybody else asking. I mean, granted, when we use it as a greeting, when one of your friends walks up to you and says, hey, how you doing? We all just kind of know it's one of those social nuances that we all understand. It's sort of an unspoken truth that the answer that they're not looking for is, well, I've had some trouble sleeping this week and I've been feeling kind of anxious and I'm worrying about money and, you know, my budget's getting tighter in this economy. And, you know, I had diarrhea a couple times this week. And, um, yeah, I kind of got into an argument with my mother on the phone yesterday. And I think I've got a weird mole growing on my shoulder. I need to get that looked at. That's not the response. <laughs> Our friends are asking us when they casually greet us with, hey, how you doing? Right? But your therapist, namely me, when I say, how you doing? I want to know. Maybe not the diarrhea part, because I'm not your doctor, and it doesn't really pertain much to what we talk about, but I do want to know how you're doing. But it's these types of phrases, how we use our language that can get lost in translation, which is why I will ask other questions like, what went well this week? What has not gone well this week? What are you struggling with currently? Is there something on your mind that you feel the need to talk to me about today? Right? So those questions are much more targeted, but in a sense, they're kind of the same message. It's the same kind of question. I'm checking in and I'm genuinely interested. So anywho, uh, back to I'm sorry, I love you. Say I'm sorry in a different way. Okay, and it's not a request. It's not an ask for a response. It's not, you know, an expectation. It's simply a statement. And that goes a long way. How else can you say I'm sorry? Well, so glad you didn't ask. I asked. Um, well, you can say I regret 
doing XYZ to you. I feel remorse over this behavior that I did and that I hurt you in the process. It is sad for me to know that I did XYZ to you and I want to make it up to you. I would like you to know that I (coughs) genuinely have a tremendous amount of guilt for how I behaved and I am going to commit myself to working on fixing this and righting the wrong I made. That is a different story, okay? That doesn't require response. It's simply a statement and it's not generic. It's not this, I'm sorry. I say sorry to someone that I bump in an aisle in a grocery store. So if that's when I use that phrase, is it going to have as much meaning as intended when it is being given to me over something much more serious? Well, probably not. So save your I'm sorry's and find other words. Be creative. Be expressive. Okay, I'm done. I'm done with my rant. (laughs) So back to external validation. The reason why the behaviors are unhealthy, well, there's multiple reasons, but seeking external validation, looking for somebody else to help us feel good about ourselves is unhealthy. I mean, we all do it occasionally, but for some people, this becomes their MO and it's actually quite unhealthy. Part of it is that It's coming from a place of low self-esteem, but it serves to just perpetuate that low self-esteem. It's not actually helping them build self-esteem. As long as I need somebody else to tell me that I'm okay, I don't actually feel okay. I'm just going to constantly seek the next source of this validation, but... The other reason why this is unhealthy is because those sources are not reliable. We may not have access to or uh, availability of somebody who's just waiting to validate us. That's not always the case. And what do we do if we don't have somebody who can give us that? Does that mean we're not okay? Does that mean that there's something wrong with us? No, absolutely not. But this is this is the difficulty with seeking it from an external source, seeking that validation. So not only do we not always have an external source readily available, but those external sources may not be dependable or reliable. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they need some reassurance and they're not in a place where they're able to give it to you. Maybe they don't actually feel that way about you. I mean, it's kind of harsh to say, but hey, it can happen. So it's another reason why this becomes sort of a sticky situation. If this is what you're depending on and it's not dependable, it can be fickle, 
well. <laughs> You've picked kind of a, well, how do I say it? A shitty source. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's accurate. We'll, we'll make that the clinical definition. So the other piece of it that's unhealthy is that when the only way you can feel okay in yourself, in your world, is if somebody else is telling you that you're okay, then the danger that folks run into with this is that they can never be told enough. If they don't feel okay in themselves and they don't have that sense to begin with, then what ends up happening is, yeah, compliment or reassurance or some validation can go a little ways, but it's not lasting. It doesn't stick. And over time, you need more and more and more. Or, you know, maybe I, it was enough, but it was only enough then, and now I need it again, and I need it again. So at some point, your external source kind of becomes like, you know, the mirror, mirror on the wall. They're just there to compliment you. And that can be difficult for some people because it can feel as though they're always doing the complimenting and they're not necessarily getting their needs taken care of or they're afraid to even ask for what they need because the other person is so needy. And this just creates a, an even tenser situation where now I might be resentful that I can't ask for what I need because then it's going to make the other person feel bad and they're going to feel like they've lost my validation and then they're going to get upset and need it even more. And so there's no room for me to ask for anything that I'm wanting or needing. So overall, the general message is this is not healthy. It doesn't create good dynamics. It just perpetuates low self-esteem. It doesn't actually fix it. So on to fixing it. How does one fix this? So in a nutshell, self-love. Well, Julia, that sounds great. Problem solved. No, absolutely not. How the fuck does one learn to love themselves? Well, it's a journey. It's a process. It takes time and it takes consistent effort. It's, it's also related to how we lost our love for ourselves. If we've been abused and somehow we've disconnected from ourselves or blamed ourselves for that abuse, our love, our self-love could have been taken from us then. If we were um, sort of emotionally neglected, we were never um, loved on, we were never really nurtured, that's another way in which we've never actually felt worthy of love and worthy enough to develop our own love for ourselves. Feeling lovable, I can love myself, other people love me too. Another way is to work on your first relationship in your life. So every single one of us 
is in a relationship that we cannot divorce out of, that we can't leave, that we're kind of stuck in. It's it's our main ball and chain. And that relationship is with ourselves. You're in it for the long haul. You can't get out of it. So if you're stuck with this person, if this is basically your cellmate, you might as well get to know them and get to like them because they're not going anywhere. And the more you can learn to like them and accept them, flaws and all, the easier things will be and the less you will need to get that acceptance and appreciation from somebody else. It starts within you. And furthermore, it's not really fair to expect somebody to do this for you, to constantly have to give and give and reassure and you know, validate and love on you. It's great if it's being reciprocated, but still for some people, that's just uncomfortable. It can feel like smothering. It can feel like more than they're comfortable doing. And a lot of times it's because they may also not have a whole lot of self-love. So it's a lot to give. They may want to receive too, or they may have a lot of self-love and feel really good and not need it and be put off by others who desperately need it. To them, it can feel kind of, I don't know, not woke, I guess. (laughs) I guess that's what the kids are saying, but not really evolved. It's it's sort of, I, I don't want to use the word needy because it's not needy necessarily. It's coming from a deeper place, but it can feel that way. So moral of the story is external validation is common. It's something we all do at some time, but it can't be the only thing that you rely on to feel good about yourself, your life, your relationship. You have an input here too and how you feel, your opinion matters and it should matter more than any other one. So please strengthen it, learn to listen to it, accept it and love the shit out of it. Okay, all right, that's my spiel on external validation. I hope you are all well and staying safe and healthy through this very long and arduous pandemic. In the meantime, thank you for listening. I welcome your feedback as always. Feel free to find me on social media. And until next time, take care.